The views expressed on this podcast are those of the participants, not of Reuters News. What's eating at Elon Musk? That's the question we're tackling on this week's Views Room, a weekly conversation among Breaking Views columnists about the ups and downs of the world of finance. I'm Jennifer Sabet. This week, I'm relieving Anthony Curry of his duties as co-host to put him in the hot seat to talk to him about Tesla's boss. Anthony, hi. Hello. So there's a lot going on here. In the past week, Elon Musk has presided over Tesla's biggest ever quarterly loss, He's berated Wall Street analysts for asking him boring and boneheaded questions. And he started a spat with Warren Buffett. That's a lot. What on earth is going on with this guy? Hey, he's just a busy guy. I don't know what the problem is. I mean, come on. We should also add in there, he also had a go at shorts as part of having a go at short sellers as part of having a go at the analysts. So you know, he's really getting in the whole sort of mood of everyone's on my back, just leave me alone. Um, but <laughs> Which yeah. is refreshing, I do have to admit. Well, to some extent. And actually, you know what? There, there are times when I think most... Uh, executives on earnings calls really wish they could say what they really yeah. felt about some of the questions. I mean, you know, you and I have both listened to plenty of these, and there are times when it just feels like the analysts are getting into the weeds just so they can say to their clients the following day, did you hear me? I asked a question. Right, and right. maybe that's not what they're doing, but it does feel like that sometimes. But in this instance, it felt, I mean, Musk was already on the defensive, and he must, I mean, he must have seen a lot of the coverage beforehand. People were saying the numbers are going to be bad. And yeah, it was the biggest quarterly loss ever. Okay, so let's let's stop here for a second and kind of set the scene because Tesla has been kind of up and down with the share price and and whatnot over the past couple of months, mm -hmm. right? And there's this big problem with production of its new model. Is that the yeah. big thing that's the overhang of this company right now? Um, it's the thing everyone's focused on. And actually, one okay. of the questions, well, both questions from the analysts that were were shunted aside, one from asking boring, boneheaded questions, and the other one, I think, must said, you know, these you're just kidding me. These questions are so dry. The first <laughs> one was about capital expenditure. Now, they cut capital expenditure in the quarter by, or I think in the quarter they said, we're cutting it for the rest of the year by 400 million, about 12% or so of the total capex for the year. So, okay. Why is that? It's like, well, because we think we're doing better at the processes, blah, blah, blah. I said, but yes, but you're also, you're burning cash again. You burnt through a billion dollars of cash. So the analysts were trying to get more information on why exactly capital expenditure was going down. And what as, they're, as they're ramping up for a new model. Too, as they're right? ramping up for the new model. That's um, been and, delayed. Yeah, well, yes, and trying to also start the, uh, or get the, the, the semi-truck going, uh, the Model Y, which is the next car to be uh, developed next year, and, you know, all these other things they're planning in, in solar generation. These are perfectly fine questions. They might be boring, of course. I mean, they're, they're about financials. And if you are um, someone like Elon Musk, who's basically an entrepreneur, then dealing with, with these nitty-gritty questions, I'm sure, is a pain in the neck, especially when most of it is about, hang on, aren't you spending a lot of money? And, you know, frankly, what you need to show us is when you're finally going to hit these production targets on the Model uh, 3, which is the big car that they're, they're hoping to make into a mass-produced car over the next couple of years. And they've missed so many targets on that. And if they don't get to profitability this year, Musk says, we're going to get there by the second half of this year, then they're not going to have enough cash. And they've got $500 million of debt coming to due this year. Ah. Uh, they've got, they're spending, you know, they burnt through a billion dollars last quarter. They've got 2.7 billion of cash left. They say we only, we won't, don't want to go below $1 billion of cash. So the pressure is really on Musk to make sure that this, this projection of earning money by the third and fourth quarters works. Otherwise, they will definitely still be burning cash and will need to raise capital, which he said on the call last week he definitely doesn't want to do. So, of course, analysts want to know, how is it all working then? Okay. So, also going on, maybe you can take us through this, that there is um, 
they're about to have their annual meeting. Is that correct? Yeah, next month. Okay. Yeah. Next month. So there's an investor who basically is what peeved about the proxy and the directors because take it first of all, does Musk control this company? Uh, yeah, I'd say he does. He owns twenty two percent of it. Okay. Uh, and it's hard to find really. Uh, the, it's hard to say there is definitely a majority of independent directors on the board. He did add two last year. There was actually a vote last year at the shareholder meeting, which went his way, even if you exclude his twenty two percent vote. The vote was basically the shareholders put in a proposal saying um, we want to see we want to have um, directors voted in every single year, not staggered the way it is at the moment. Right. Okay. Um, and it was uh, rejected even by independents, which is a, a bit weird. You think, you know, there's nothing wrong with voting in directors every single year. It's, it's, it's quite normal corporate governance practice. Um, but he did pledge last year he'd bring in some more independent directors, and he brought in two, one of whom was James Murdoch. Okay. Uh, and this investor is uh, CTW, which uh, has about $250 billion in assets, only owns about $30 million of Tesla stock, but is a known activist on corporate governance issues. Um, it's come in and said, look, um, Murdoch has absolutely no experience, and also he's been involved in a fair number of scandals of his own at, uh, at, at Fox. Um, he's also they're also saying, please, so vote against him. Vote against Kimball Musk, who is uh, Elon's brother. Okay, so I'll chef. just stop there, right there. Okay, so he puts his brother on the board. Yeah, his brother's been on the board since I think two thousand and four, so he's been there a long time. He's a chef, so he knows a lot yeah. about car making. Um, and the other one they want to vote against, who's up for re-election this year, is. Uh, and oh, I'm going to get his name wrong. Antonio Garcia, I think it is, who is the independent lead director, but also happens to be a long-term investor in Tesla. And Musk backs his private equity firm. Oh, so you know, it's huge conflict. Yeah. Uh, so you know, there's, there's there's a vote already this year for um, the chairman and CEO roles to be split as well. By the way, but this one that came out literally overnight from CTW saying, look, vote against these three directors. A, um, Musk hasn't done enough to make the board more independent with uh, the additions last year, one of whom we want you to vote against. Uh, and B, you know, just look at last week's call. I mean, it, it, he's not answering the right questions. There needs to be more accountability. And that means we've got to show our disapproval by voting against the directors up for nomination. OK, so all of this sounds to me like a man who does not want to be part of a public company. So here's the yeah. big question. Why is this company public? I mean, you can go off these days, it seems like, mm. and raise a ton of private capital and be fine. Yeah. So what is the reason for him to have this well, when, I think, trade? To be fair, when, when the company went public a few years ago, sure, you could go out and you could get um, capital in the private markets. I think it has, over the past two or three years, got somewhat e a lot easier to do that. I think we're seeing that with a lot of the funding rounds that have come through. Um, but also, I think you know, if you're trying to produce a mass, uh, trying to put out a mass-produced car like the Model Three, um, and now they own uh, Solar City as well, so they've got solar production and solar roofing and everything in the mix as well. You do need to have a fair degree of, of cash. So um, at some point, it may well be that you know, we, well, we can't just keep um, borrowing another two or three billion here and there from investors. Maybe they could from private investors. But the thinking was, let's get it from the capital markets. And you know what? If you look at the stock, I mean, it, it lost seven, eight percent last week after the analyst call. It's come right back. Okay. And yeah, you know, and it trades now over three hundred dollars uh, a share. It's worth. I'm going to have to guess this number. Probably about twenty to twenty-five times two thousand and twenty earnings. It's a car company. Look, it may well be an electric car company. It may well come up with some good autonomous driving stuff. Although at the moment that's debatable, um, as it is across the industry, frankly, about who's doing what. Um, but you'd have to sell a lot more cars than even the most optimistic analysts expect to be able to justify the valuation it's got now, even looking ten years into the future.
basically he is, I hate this word, so forgive me for using it, but he's a disruptor, right? He's got everybody on edge. Let's, let's, let's yeah. be honest here. Like GM and Ford, everybody's trying to, to mimic, you know, the electric car moves or whatever. So th- th- this kind of brings me to the point uh, that he's slinging mud at Warren Buffett, which mm. is also very enjoyable to watch. Absolutely. Just to see, to see the spat. So Warren Buffett held his annual meeting in Omaha this past weekend, mm-hmm. and Elon Musk was on Twitter trading back and yeah. forth with him. Is that what was going well, actually, on? Actually, it, it kind of started on, on the call last week, and well, not only did he have a go at analysts, he also was saying, that, you know, I don't believe in things like corporate moats, which is a, a one of um, Warren Buffett's big things. And this started a whole you know, back and forth with, with um, uh, Buffett saying things at the annual meeting, like, you know... The, the, but, but moats are great. Just look at my C's candy thing. This is a great example of, of how things work. And Musk said on Twitter, oh, yes, I'm going to start a, a candy company. Just you wait. I'm going to build a moat and fill it full of candy, and it'll be fantastic. You'll just have to invest <laughs> in it. So, And there's a degree of humor in there, which is fantastic. Also, I should point out, um, he did apologize to an extent for not taking the analyst calls a few days afterwards. He did. Okay. Um, but um, sort of, <laughs> in a very Muskian way, which is I'm still right, but maybe I was an idiot not to have done it. Um, but yeah, so he said he and Musk have clashed before. I mean, Buffett and Musk have clashed before. It's over, it's over little things, but in some respects, but it's also about an investment style, right? So if you're a believer in Buffett um, and Buffett's investment style, then you want to have a very long-term view, which, to be fair, I think Musk does as well. In a lot of ways, with solar panels, with SpaceX, with mm. all the companies that he has, he is trying to change things. No, and absolutely. Don't see many and, companies and that goes do back that. to you know, why not just have this as a private company? And maybe, maybe that's the answer. Maybe to stop all the worries and all the constant, my God, my God, what's going to happen? Buy it back. I mean, he'd need to, the trouble is there, he'd have to have other investors. At the moment, he's got a very good core group of um, mostly retail, but also uh, some institutional shareholders who are just willing to give him uh, as much. Uh, almost as much rope as he needs. Uh, he got this, he's got this great, uh, amazing um, pay package over the next 10 years, which is linked to various targets, uh, which look very difficult to do. But he's basically going to, if this all works and they hit the right kind of multiples and they hit um, a certain share price, what he's going to get would be worth about $55 billion. And that is billion, not million, over 10 years. But only 73% of of independent shareholders approved it at a special meeting last month. 73% is not that big a number. Often you're looking at in the 80s or 90% if people really want to support this. So it wasn't as good as it could have been. Um, About $50 billion. They still... Stamped well, it. That's the thing, right? I mean, there's also a, you know, um, if you make $50 billion, the company's going to be trading at $650 billion. And that's going to be, uh, do the math, 13 times what it's trading at the moment. I mean, these are luxury problems. And, you know, if you're looking at a company that like, like Tesla, that, that, as you said, it's basically a private company with, with, with public company dressing around it. Um, you know, why not just, you know, you're basically tied to Elon Musk, just let him go and run it as much as possible. But is he the right person? And also, you know, he's much better at coming up with ideas, probably, than he is at sorting out the nitty gritty of how to get production snafus to, 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 to be ironed out. So does he have a strong number two or is he basically everything? I mean, because the thing that jumped out at me about the, the call, it's like, why even bother getting on the call? A mm. lot of uh, executives just send their CFO. Yeah, example, well, that's, that's right. Um, but I think, you know, when so much of the company is tied to Musk, both in terms of his ownership but also um, how he is seen as the person really running it. And that's one of the problems. Right? He, he is so much a part of this company. He's put himself forward, and others have put him forward. Now, the CFO is pretty well known. Uh, he mentioned a couple of other people on the call as well. Investors mostly know him. 
right? and especially the retail investors. Retail investors in there just thinking, this guy's fantastic. Anytime you say anything about Musk that's negative, they'll jump on Twitter and have a go at you. I mean, it's, it's quite amusing in some respects. Um, but, you know, going back to what I mentioned earlier, Musk derided these analysts in, an e- in, a, in a tweet a day or so after the call saying they basically represent um, short selling positions, okay, which is so, not true. Well, but, all right, but, before, before you go, uh, talk about the short sellers because that seems to be a constant theme with him. Hmm. Tesla probably is one of, if not the most shorted stocks in the US. Okay. And that makes sense if your multiple is at a really, really high level. So, fine, that's out there. But yeah, that's a perfectly decent bet, right? But he hates it. Right? And he likes to trash them. And he said, oh, just you wait, you're going to get burned. And sure enough, unless they got out of their positions, uh, they would have been burned by the stock turning around and going back up above 300. Well, he bought a bunch of shares too. He did. He? he bought $10 million worth, which is fine. I'm not knocking it. It's just, you know, $10 million for him is, is nothing. Okay. Right? Um, but by going after the short sellers and saying that the two analysts represented short selling positions, which isn't true, they, they, they may not be fans of the stock. They may well think the stock trades too high. But thinking a stock trades too high doesn't mean you're a short seller. It just means you think this is overvalued. Right. right? All right. Well, thank you for that, Anthony. We'll be keeping a close eye on Mr. Elon Musk. That's our show for this week. We doff our hats to our producers, Freddie Joyner, Ben Kellerman, and Andrew D'Antonio. And thanks to you, our listeners, for tuning in. Check us out every day at breakingviews.com. Subscribe to The Views Room on iTunes. And please do share your opinions about our show. Join us again next week for another edition.